Good evening. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow the kids. That was not a good decision. We should figure that out next year. Let's pray before we get into the Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of celebrating your birth in a stable in our city. We confess that we need you. Every hour we need you. And I ask that you would make your word come alive. Where there is darkness in our lives, I ask that your light would break in. Where there is despair, I ask that your hope would reign. And where there is indifference, I ask for your love to take over. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Earlier this month, my wife and I were shopping. We have two small kids, a 10-month-old and a 2-year-old. If you hear a kid start screaming, it's probably mine. And uh, we bought this book. Uh, VeggieTales makes an Away in a Manger book that sings. Was anyone's favorite Christmas song as a kid, Away in a Manger? Just, just me and you? All right. All right. Well, it's, it's only two people that have good musical taste in the room. And so we bought this book, and it's been on our dining room table all month. And our kids, in between bites, will go and they'll push the button. You want to hear it? It's like the worst recording ever. We'll put it up to the mic. It's like a dying cat with a cold. All right, here it is. Yeah. I can't. I can. Let's pull it away. It's like the production budget was running low when they went to do the voiceover on that book. It's just over and over, they keep pressing the button. And it's done, we think it's done. And then they press the button again, and like 20 times every night I hear that worst recording ever of Away in a Manger. It used to be my favorite Christmas song. <laughs> and now it's, now it's just yours, it's not mine anymore. <laughs> you know, as we've listened to it about 200 times in the past two weeks, I've realized that the melody of the song is this cute children's lullaby. But the message of the song is actually not cute at all. If you think of the lyrics, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Have you ever been around um, a woman who's pregnant eight, nine months, the nursery hasn't been done yet and she's out of town? Not the brightest moment of her life or her husband's. And then the song continues, the stars in the sky look down where he lay. Why is the baby outside? When we had our kids, those mugs were on lockdown. They didn't know what fresh air was for six months, unless they get a cold or something. And yet, infant baby Jesus is outside, and the stars are looking down. And and so the song is this cute rhyme lullaby for kids, and it's good. But the message of it isn't as sanitized as the song would lead us to believe. In fact, if you drive down neighborhoods or you go in people's homes, we decorate our yards and our living rooms with the manger scene that has a little bit more influence from HGTV than history. And Hallmark and uh, Hollywood have had a big part of shaping our view of the manger scene. And what I'd like to do tonight is, as we've read from Luke chapter 2, I'd like to just walk through and point out some things on just how um, humble and how surprising the manger actually is. It's one of the beautiful things about Christ is he doesn't come as everybody in the world comes. 
Today, when people of great importance come onto the scene, they get on Jimmy Fallon and, and Stephen Colbert, and they, they run the late-night circuit, and there's press releases, and there's parades, and pomp and circumstance, and, and marketing, and people are they're told what to say, and they're, they're taught how not to answer a question, which is beyond me, just answer the question, but they're taught not how to answer a question, and, and they like run with entourages, but Jesus doesn't come like the Kardashians. He comes in poverty in relative obscurity, and there's only a handful of people that are told about it. And if you read the story in Luke, you come away with, none of the important people know that the most important person is coming. And so the setting in which Christ comes into the world isn't cute. And it's really not even appropriate for for children's songs. Uh, Luke, in verse 1 of chapter 2, says, those days Christ came. And we're 20 centuries removed from what those days are. They're not the good old days. Those days are the days where Caesar Augustus sends out a memo, hey, I'd like everyone to register so I can tax you, and it says all went. And if you know history, Caesar Augustus was the first Roman emperor, and Caesar wasn't even his name. His name was Gaius Octavius, and his great uncle was Julius Caesar. And so because the name Caesar carried weight with people, he changed his name so he'd be more important than he actually was. Like, who votes for that guy? That's the guy who's in charge, the guy with a self-esteem problem. And he wants everybody to pay him money. Those are the days. The days Jesus was born are the days where Herod is, it has uh, struggling with his job security, sends out a memo, hey, let's kill every boy two years and under in this region. It's state-sponsored terrorism, and Mary and Joseph become fugitives on the run because the government is trying to kill their kid. Those are the days in which Christ comes. It's not cute. Mary and Joseph have to go on a road trip to Bethlehem, where, where Joseph's from, to register. And Bethlehem's a four-day journey away from their hometowns before Uber was invented. They couldn't just get on their phone and call a car and go. They had to walk or get on an animal. Four days. So, so ladies, imagine you're eight or nine months pregnant, and you've got to go on a four-day road trip. Does that sound like fun? She's on this road trip. They're standing in line at the DMV, basically, and then her water breaks. Could not come at a more inconvenient time. They're out of town to be taxed, and her water breaks. Those are the days. And then verse 7 of Luke chapter 2 is really beautiful. It says, and she gave birth, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And she laid him in the manger because there was no room for him in the end. And you could read that as a lament. Now, what's crazy about verse 7 of Luke chapter 2 is there's no mention of a doctor, a midwife, a doula, a lactation consultant, an anesthesiologist with a needle, none of that. And the only help that we can assume that Mary has at four days out of town is Joseph, who if he's like any first-time dad, he's freaked out and not of much help. And so you have this 14-year-old girl, that's how old Mary is, she's 14 at this time, out of town giving birth to the Son of God. And you have to wonder, if you're Mary, is this how you'd picture it? Was this your expectation of when the angel said, you're going to carry the Son of God, the Messiah? You think her expectation was, when I'm out of town in line at the DMV, the water's going to break and I'm not going to have anybody? And yet that's how God came. Now, 
We're so removed from it, and most of us are really familiar with that part of the story. But let me give you a modern-day equivalent. If Christ were to come in the 21st century, here's how he'd come. He would be born to an unwed, pregnant teenage mother who's a foreigner. And then she'd get a thing in the mail saying, you need to come from San Antonio to Austin to get your green card. And while she's on I-35, there's a wreck in Austin, and so I-35 is a parking lot like it is 90% of the time. You'll get that one on the way home or when you go see your in-laws tomorrow, like I will. And, and then instead of getting all the way there, they'd pull over at New Braunfels and they go to a modern-day inn, which is Bucky's. But everyone's there at Bucky's getting beaver nuggets and wasabi peas and going to the nice bathroom. And so there's no, there's no room to park. So they park in the back where all the semis are sleeping and running and there's exhaust. And as they're in between the semis on their way to Austin to get registered, her water breaks. That's how the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the most dominant person in the history of mankind was born. No entourage no heirloom quality crib. Not at all. I mean, really, if you talk about like the royal baby with uh, William and Kate, Jesus is basically the opposite of how that baby is treated. And that's how he came. And if you're Mary, you're wondering, am I messing this thing up? Did we, did we go out of town at the wrong time? You just got to wonder that. And, and then there's this, uh, there's no room for them in the inn, okay? So it's not like Hilton was just out of rooms and they couldn't find one at the Motel 6. Um, in this time period, you would have inns, which are basically people's houses with an extra room upstairs, and they would rent that extra room out to people who were traveling. So it's basically biblical evidence of Airbnb in Luke chapter 2. There you go. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. I'm up here working by myself on Christmas Eve. Come on now. And so everyone's traveling because everyone's going to be registered, and Joseph didn't get reservations apparently, and that would have been a great conversation. And so they have to stay in basically the garage apartment, which is the cave or the grotto, not a barn like we've been all led to believe, but it's a grotto, a cave, where the animals would stay. You ever been where animals stay? What does it smell like? Don't say it. <laughs> That's where Jesus is born. And so she, she has the baby. She cleans the baby. And if there's ever a time in a woman's life where she's more in need of care, it's when she has a baby, especially her first time, being 14 years old. And she's cleaning the baby. And then she looks around, and the only thing left that looks like you could put a baby in is a manger, a feeding trough. It's the equivalent of your dog bowl with hay and slobber and manure and slop in it. And the, Christ leaves the palace in paradise, and he doesn't even get a pack and play. He gets a dog bowl. That's the humility in which Christ comes into the world. And it's not by accident. Mary and Joseph didn't punt on this one. This was how God said, I want to come into the world. I want to come where the lowly are. I want to come where the least and the forgotten are. I don't want to go, I don't want to go into the palace where, where Caesar Augustus is. I don't want to go where the high priest is, the, the person in charge of religion in the day. I want to go to the forgotten about, the needy, the poor, the broken. That's the God that we serve. It's no wonder we sing joy to the world. 
I mean, you can't even make that up. No one inventing God would script it like that. You would script the Kardashians. Yeah, God's going to, he's going to be a diva, he's going to do this. And no, no, no. You would not script it, a humble king coming to a dog bowl. And yet that's exactly how Christ comes. It's amazing. Then there's, like, after that, there's this weird story about the shepherds who are not even B team, they're, they're, the, they're the C team. They're working the night shift, not a glamorous profession. And all of a sudden, the angels show up and tell them and say, here's the sign. It's going to be a baby in a dog bowl. They freak out. They go and they find Mary and Joseph, and they tell Mary and Joseph about the angels and the choir and how they were told of the good news of great joy for all people. And here's the thing about the shepherds. You could remove the shepherds from Luke 2 and the story wouldn't change. The narrative arc would be the same. And you gotta wonder, why are the shepherds, like why did God go out, why did he send a choir of angels to go all high school musical on on the shepherds at three um, in the morning? And I think verse 19 of Luke 2 is the key. When they come and they tell everyone what they saw, it says, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. Now, why would Mary treasure the story about the angels in the field with the shepherds at three in the morning unless it was of some encouragement to her? Which makes me think, and this is conjecture, but makes me think that she was having a pretty tough time wrestling with, I just had the Son of God and he's sleeping in a dog bowl. What am I doing wrong? And the lesson for all of us this Christmas Eve is when God comes into our life, usually it's in the unexpected ways. Usually it's in the humble ways. That God speaks to the forgotten. He speaks to the lonely. He speaks to the poor. He speaks to those who are having problems with their relationships. And the good news is that in the midst of a weary world, we don't have to get it all together. We don't have to clean ourselves up for God to come to us. The God we serve, the King of Kings, is humble enough to actually get dirty so that we can be clean, not we get clean so we can go to Him. And that's generally why we get together on nights like this and sing a lot more than than most people. So here's what I just invite you to do tonight and tomorrow. In the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the food and the presence and the tradition and the travel and the weird family members. Did everyone think of a weird family member when I said that? <laughs> okay, if you didn't think of the weird family member, you're the weird family member. <laughs> just, that's the general rule. But he, he, here, here's what I'd want to just offer to you tonight and tomorrow. In the midst of all that, would you do what Mary did? And would you treasure Jesus? Would you just take some time to contemplate and to to worship him and to adore him and to remember that the gospel is not that you have to get your stuff together to be forgiven, but that the gospel is that he left the crown to come to a cradle so he would go to a cross and be buried in a cave and be resurrected because we can't do that. I mean, that is the good news of great joy for every single person here. And I know in a room this size, there are many of you who aren't followers of Jesus. And you're not interested in Jesus as some family member conned you into coming here by giving you a free meal tonight. (laughs) 
would you at least consider the fact that the most important person who ever lived came just like you, a mess? And would you at least answer the question, what, why haven't I followed Jesus? I'm not pushing you to follow him, but would you at least have that question tonight on this Christmas Eve? And, and if, you, if you want to become a follower of Christ and you feel like there's just something pulling you to change your life, man, we would love to pray with you. We would love to talk to you about that. We would love to help you make this the best Christmas Eve of your life. I know that there are also people in this room where um, things aren't happy. It's not the most wonderful time of the year for you. It's this season that is usually the most high for people who are um, depressed and lonely. I know that there's a, a room full of broken relationships, full of unforgiveness, full of sickness and sadness and suffering and families that are on the, on the brink of falling apart. Would you be like Mary tonight and tomorrow and just treasure Jesus in the midst of your mess? He is truly all we need. And as we take communion together, would you nourish yourself on the bread of heaven? on the best meal God could ever give us. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you that the good news of great joy is one of peace, is one of love, and ultimately it costs you everything, but it is free to us. God, we ask right now that you would just stir in the hearts of every single person here, those who aren't believers, those who are believers, those who are new believers or seasoned saints. Lord, I ask that you would make the gospel fresh to us tonight like it has never been. As we come to your table and we interact with the greatest gift we could ever receive, your grace, your welcome, your warmth, your forgiveness. Would you, would you work in our minds and in our hearts? Would you do the thing that I can't do and ignite hearts on fire for you? May this be a Christmas Eve celebrated in a stable that stands higher than most because of the work you did in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of your presence. Thank you for your forgiveness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said?